0: Hey, it's Margot Tanto here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. Hey, this is Margot. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Windowsill Chats. I wanted to read another wonderful review. Again, I just appreciate these. You guys, it's so fun to, to see what you're thinking. This one is from Tracy Don Brewer, and Tracy says, Wonderfully open and honestly inspirational. I have enjoyed each guest and their willingness to share their stories, their struggles fears, and accomplishments. Such a diverse range of perspective from freelance life to fitting your art and creativity into spare time, to dealing with worries on losing stability and finding the will to get up and find your voice each day. Margo immediately makes you feel as if you're not just listening in, but you're part of the conversations because she's asking them questions you have on your mind as the discussion develops. Thank you so much, Tracy. And I think you'll find that today's episode is especially honest and open and a little bit raw. I have with me today my dear friend Emily McDowell, and many of you will know her from her wonderful Frank and Honest card line and the other products she's making with others with Em and Friends. So a little bit more about Emily. Emily McDowell is a writer, illustrator, speaker, and entrepreneur who is fiercely committed to not doing all of those things at the same time. In 2012, after a decade working in advertising, Emily founded the stationery and gift brand, Emily McDowell Studio. In January of 2021, the brand changed its name to m and friends to reflect its expansion into partnerships with additional artists and writers. Emily currently serves as its creative director. Emily's work has been featured by The New York Times, Good Morning America, BBC News, and NPR's All Things Considered, among many others. And in 2015, she was named one of Slate's 10 designers who are changing the world. I, for one, would totally agree with that. Emily lives in Portland, Oregon, but today, as we discuss, she is here with me in my funny little studio on Vashon Island. Hope you enjoy our honest chat between friends. I, today, get to talk to my dear friend, Emily McDowell, and we're actually amazingly in the same space. We both quarantined and I have half my shots and we get to sit in the same space and talk to you today, which is very exciting. Emily and I thought it would be really great to talk about, Emily, what you might do differently in business should you do it again and start all over again. So let's dig into that. You've had such a successful business in your cards with the your words and just being known you know, far and wide, and you decided to go into it and start and print your own cards and show them at shows and do direct to consumer and wholesale and retail and all the things, which sounds, I'm sure, really exciting to a lot of people. Looking back now, what would you tell yourself?
1: Well, um (laughs) And it's so good to be here by the way. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank you for being here. yeah, this is such a good question and you know one that I think about I've thought about a lot over the years and um you know when I got started, it was two thousand and twelve, and the industry looked really different than it does now. Um, at that time, there was still a very sort of prescriptive way to go about having a brand and it involved doing a wholesale collection. Um, and if you wanted to launch that wholesale collection, you needed to go to trade shows and do it and you needed to do a catalog and you needed to do seasonal releases and you needed to do all these things. And then, um, at the same time, I also had an Etsy shop and I got started on Etsy. And so it was sort of early, you know, it was, it was direct to consumer, which I didn't really know that I was supposed to call it that then, um, it was just my Etsy shop and that I'd started in 2011. Um, and that, and that was growing and, um, when I started, I really had this vision of, you know, I want to do wholesale. I want to do all the things. I want to make all the stuff. I want to, I want to. I started with cards because I was self funded. And so I, I just started out with savings, not knowing if anything was going to work and not having a ton of money to try. And so cards were inexpensive and easy to produce and I could figure it out myself. Mm-hmm. And so and cards were also they combined a lot of the things I liked doing, which is writing and psychology and illustration. So it was a way to 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 sort of bring the human condition into the product that I was making, which I really wanted to do. But I mm-hmm. also had all these ideas for all this other stuff I wanted to do, and and getting it into stores and doing doing all the things and being all the stuff. And when I look back on that, you know, I don't have any regrets of of mm-hmm. you know most of what I've done. Um, but I will say that I, you know, I was, my naivete, uh, gave me a lot of energy, you know, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also kind of bit me in the ass a lot, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of taking on what ultimately was a really, really difficult business model to sustain Mm -hmm. with one person with no business partners, which is what I was. Um, and you know the reality of running a wholesale business and a direct-to-consumer business um, is that they're really different businesses,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and they have different audiences. And the wholesale audience, what I found was the whole my wholesale audience wanted a certain kind of product with a certain kind of message. And our direct to consumer audience wanted another kind of product with another kind of message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can really only get when you're doing production. You can it's like, ooh, I can if I have this audience, I can do economy of scale and I can lower my production costs. Well, not if half your people want one thing and half your people want the other right. thing. Then you just You have, just have to make your warehouse bigger. You have bigger. to make twice as many things, you <laughs> right. know. And then you have to make your warehouse bigger and you have mm-hmm. to make a warehouse to begin right. with. Um and, you know, the customer service is different, the marketing is different. The Mm -hmm. seasons are different. The buying time is different. And so everything that I loved about direct-to-consumer, which was being able to make things pretty soon before, you know, not having a giant lead time, not having, but being able to make things that actually spoke to the moment or that, Mm -hmm. you know, were culturally relevant for the time or something like that, that doesn't work. When buyers want, when buyers are placing a PO a year in advance, you know, or they want to see advanced copies, you know, it's two totally different products and the timing is different. Doesn't even begin to make sense to the other. No, not at all. You know, and the seasonality doesn't make sense at Mm -hmm. all. Like, you know, you're doing Valentine's day in, um, you know, March of the year before or whatever, you know, or it's just not in, and, and, and then within wholesale, it's interesting because you have. You know, the larger accounts, which everybody is like, oh, it's, you know, everybody's dream to kind of land a paper source or, you know, these bigger accounts that you get big checks, Mm -hmm. but they have totally different needs. They come with big expectations. They come with huge expectations Mm -hmm. and the packaging that's required and the special handling and the customer service and the like all of that that's required for those. And then barcodes and and stickers Mm -hmm. and, you know, their buying season is really different. And so you have, you know, those guys want to buy way, way, way far in advance. And then you have other retailers, the small mom and pop retailers that are, you know, maybe they back in 2012, they were buying eight, seven, eight, six months in advance. And now they're buying one, two months in advance because that business has gotten more and more difficult and everybody holds less inventory than they used to. And so it's a very... It was I ran two businesses, mm-hmm. you know, on my own, on own for almost five years and that and that was really hard. Or and full, they were busy right years, out of the years. gate for you. Busy right out of the gate. So what happened was I, yeah, I mean, and I had I which was I was grateful, of course, mm-hmm. you know, but I went to the 2013 National Stationery Show thinking I was going to pick up some. Uh, independent stores, and that I would do this. I would continue to do this on the side while I was freelancing as a creative director, which is what my previous job was. And I would have this stationary, this growing little stationary business on the side. Mm-hmm. And I left that show <laughs> with, um, I don't know, 25 sales reps and <laughs> orders from, I don't know, 50. Fifty independent stores and a, like a thirty thousand dollars Urban Outfitters PO that had a cancel date for two weeks later.
0: I remember the pictures of those
1: pallets outside, card boxes and boxes stacked I up. I No just like, idea what oh I was even God. getting into or what I was doing or you know, and it was exciting. Like it was, sure, and you just it was do because and you just yeah you just that. did it you know, and then I just hit the ground running, but I didn't really have the opportunity or give myself the opportunity to strategize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about where and how and what strategizing as you're running. I it's wanted, Yeah. And, and, you know, the more you do, the more you need to do. And the, the more it, it just, it just got, you know, it was, it was very busy mm-hmm. and, and big quickly, you yeah. know, and the other thing about cards is that we were selling card you know at the time cost of cards were like you know $4.50 mm-hmm. and so you have to sell a lot of cards in order to make um you know a decent amount of money right. or a sustainable amount of money or whatever but um that also means that's that much customer service. You know, if like every order is $200, then right. you only have, you know, 20 orders to deal with. But if every right. order is $20, then you have 200 orders exactly. to deal with for the same amount of dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. 200 so, phone calls, 200, 200 invoices. Right.
1: And the, so the customer service piece was really big, you know, mm-hmm. and when you are like me, when you, when you make a product... That's based on feelings. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You get a lot of people who have really strong feelings about their order being late or about, uh, you know, what you're making, what you're making Mm -hmm. or about what they want to see you make or about, you know, how you did a certain thing. And um, so that's a that's another sort of interesting layer.
0: Yeah, definitely something to think about. It's it's one thing if it's. People get attached to those words, what they mean, the people direct, you know, retailers or, or the, the final end user of that card is, is attached to you because you've written something that, that hits them directly mm-hmm. and, and just, just those things you've listed off in the last, you know, five minutes, just the you making it, getting it to where it needs to go making sure that it's packed right, somebody's packing it, somebody's making sure that they're getting paid for it, before it ships, the customer service, the make it's it's very exciting and it's kind of good when it happens all at once and you have to figure it out. But what I love about this conversation is what else? You know, like what I I've had my own I've made things, I've manufactured things, I've learned along the way. I've certainly enjoyed it. Um, and I wouldn't trade it, but, um, you know, it's that, it's that part where you're trading creativity for customer service or, you yeah, know, absolutely. Like that.
1: And it, and, and it wasn't just about wearing a lot of hats, you know, or having, you know, the, the longer I did it, it was very, you know, very quickly within the first year I was doing the creative, you know, between the hours of. Midnight and two AM because that was the only time I had to do it because mm-hmm. the rest of it was and it was creative. all you it was doing logistics it. yeah and mm-hmm. I was doing I was the only one doing the creative and the CEO of this of a company and I didn't know what a CEO did you know right. um I didn't even know what I remember googling what operations was mm-hmm. you know like what is that I think we need an operations person and I think maybe I know what that means you know <laughs> and what does it mean trying to figure that out yeah and you know but really one of the th- what i wish i i would have done was really taken a step back before i started the whole thing and thought yeah. how do i want to feel like what do i want what do i want out of this in terms of the like lifestyle that i want and how do i want to feel in my not just in my job but in my personhood and mm. in my you know with my with my family, with, with my, in my body, with, you know, like all of the, all of it holistically. And what are the things that, what are the things that make me feel expansive and thriving? Mm -hmm. And what are the things that I think I should be good at, or I think I should enjoy, but that I Mm -hmm. actually, when I really check in, I don't actually enjoy and Mm -hmm. I'm not good at, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, management of people is one of those things mm-hmm. that, and that's been a really tough lesson to learn that, um, that, and it's not, it's not, I don't hate it, you know, right. but it doesn't light me up <laughs> in the way that, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of my business owner friends love, yeah. love, love having a big staff and yeah. love all that. And well,
0: and I think, I know for me personally, I, I look back at the different things I've done and, and can absolutely almost see where where it shifted from i need to show people that i can do all these things my boss Mm -hmm. or my customers or whatever it was i need to be able to handle all these things shifting to if i try and handle all these things nothing good will happen nothing the good stuff is going to get lost in the handling of the minutiae you know it's like i can admit now that i'm you know an accountant is the first thing I should have, you know, or something like that, you know, and not try and figure all that out all by myself or a podcast editor, Mm -hmm. you know, thank you very much, Katie, because if I didn't, I wouldn't have a podcast, but there's, there's times, especially when you have your own business where you're like, I can do this. I'm going to, you know, roll my sleeves up and figure it all out. And, and it is exciting. And you often, it happens because it's happening to us and to be able to stop and say, how do I want my life to look? I mean, I hope everybody's listening because put that top on the list. What do you want your life to look like? Because it can be really great with your own business, but it's really good to ask yourself those questions.
1: Yeah. And, and like, how do I want to feel in this, you mm-hmm. know, is another one. And, and for me, it was a strange, you know, I named, and I wrote a blog post about this. We recently changed the name of my brand um, to take my full name off the brand. We're now called MN friends. Mm-hmm. And That is that that shift was a long time coming and it and it really was done to reflect who we are now and where we're going, Mm -hmm. which is which is other other voices, other artists, other writers um, alongside me Mm -hmm. doing this work. Um, and sort of united by a common vision and ethos of, of, of creating things with humor and heart and honesty and mm-hmm. what Good we're words. about, mm-hmm. but it's not just me doing all right. the stuff, you know, and it hasn't been for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was impossible for me to continue doing all the stuff, um, to the degree that I was doing it for this, for this many years. It just wouldn't, it's just not sustainable. Right. You know, the other thing that's, that's interesting, well, I'll, I'll put a pin in that, but the, the, <laughs> the, I don't want to distract myself, which I often do, but um, we just, cha- so we just changed the name mm-hmm. of the brand. And I wrote a whole blog post about when you should and shouldn't name a brand after yourself.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And this is something I feel pretty strongly about. Oh, that on. if you are, you know, I did this. It was, there was no strategy. Mm-hmm. I just wanted my Etsy shop up and running and I didn't have a better name. And I was like a better idea for a name. And I was like, you know what? I'm the, I'm the artist. I'm the yep. writer, whatever worked for Jonathan Adler. Sure. Yeah. You know? And like, <laughs> just really didn't think about it. Yeah. I I would have, that's would be the best you know? idea. And I couldn't in the 10 minutes I considered yeah. brand names. Emily I didn't have a better studio. idea for a brand. So right. I was like, sure. It's, it's, you it's know, me. It's me. Mm-hmm. And. You know, if you are doing something where you are the only person who's going to be provi- you're providing a service,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and you are the only person who you think is going to be ever providing that service, and it's less about a product and more about a service. Or if you're really committed to the idea of licensing, of of not making your own stuff, of mm-hmm. not of not going into the business of you know, manufacturing, creating a company, creating products, but really licensing and really, and really have clear clarity on, I want to just be me, um, and using my name and making art and, you know, or writing or whatever, then, you know, by all means do it as yourself. Um, but when you are, when you are the brand, Mm -hmm. it becomes very, very, very tricky.
0: Such a good point. Mm -hmm.
1: For just so many different reasons hmm
0: Because there you are, and you're expected to be there every time.
1: Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you're expected to be there. I mean, one of the things that I really – that I – you know, the first time I had one – you know, I hired my first employee immediately because mm-hmm. um, I had to. Right. <laughs> and the first time she answered the phone, hello, Emily McDowell, was so weird because I was like, uh-oh. Like, <laughs> but she's not me, you know? and. Oh. It was this like, well, duh, like, you know, and it was, but it was a strange, like, oh yeah, you know, you're, and then it was like, oh no, I'm not Emily, you know, here she is, you know, (laughs) and, but then, you know, when the brand is you, especially when you're like on Etsy or, you know, whatever, and you grow Mm -hmm. and you're on social media as yourself and you grow, you know, the expectation is from your customers that people are going to be engaging directly with you. Right. Right. And that you are the the customer, you know, that you are packing their order from your apartment Mm -hmm. and that you are (laughs) their customer service person and that you are Mm -hmm. doing all the posting and all the stuff. And in the beginning, that may be true, but as you grow and you have to transition away from that in order to have a sustainable business and you have to bring on more people on your team, it gets really thorny. um, Quickly. Really quickly. Yeah. Because the expectation, and especially when you're you're putting
0: thoughtful, meaningful product into the world that's touching somebody and they might want to tell you that and mm-hmm. or they, you know, they want to use it in some way or it's helped them in some way. It's you on the other side of everything that mm-hmm. they're wanting to see, wanting to see at the show. And we were talking about this earlier. Um, pre-social media and, and a lot of internet, when you had a brand or a business you were you showed up at a show and that's when maybe somebody would see you, you didn't become a celebrity needless to say and think about it you know celebrities or a movie say an actor you saw them on the screen you knew, maybe knew who you were they were maybe you saw them in a in a glossy but you didn't see behind the scenes on their inst- until instagram came along and you know now we have business owners who put a product into the world or authors that put a product into the world that are now reachable you can send them a DM. And so that, it just kind of complicates, but it adds to the experience of a Mm -hmm. business. But when it is all you and it is your name, the expectations are, I'm sure, have proven to be a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, you can't, you can't be everything to everybody. And, you know, the nature of social media is such that we, with the people that we follow, you know, you, you have this, and you know I do it too everybody does it mm-hmm. this idea that you know so and so or you understand things about their life or mm-hmm. you make assumptions about you know that and we don't we're just not biologically wired the human brain didn't develop to do this one to many type of interaction so it's not possible to keep in your head you know when you have however many thousands and thousands of followers or people who engage with you and who, if somebody, if people share really personal things, you know, they expect an answer and I, and, and I, and I feel horrible if I can't give them an answer, you know, like my intention, my desire would be to, to get, to honor these people's story or you know, the stuff that people share with me. And, but the reality is when it's just coming at you, um, at a volume that you can't, possibly keep up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets it gets really challenging and difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, there it's really interesting, interesting things to think about. And I think, you know, watching you grow, and we've had so many great conversations as to here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm looking at next, what and it's all very exciting, you know, you got to a point where, you outgrew your office and you outgrew the, the warehouse. And then it was, where can I, how can I, how can I expand, you know, and what do I do that and who do I need to hire and what state should I have that in? And I mean, there was a lot, you, you poured your heart and soul into this business. And, and I mean, I I love what you put into the world. I'm better for it, you know, but I think as the, as the person behind it, it was a pretty bumpy road.
1: Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was mm-hmm. really tough. And, you know, to be totally honest, it was really – it was this very strange disconnect between strangers on social media saying, I want your life. Uh-huh. I want your life. I want your life. Huh. And, and me feeling like I was just drowning, just mm-hmm. absolutely drowning all the time.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Um, and, you know, I was – physically sick all the time. I was, you know, I just, I didn't sleep. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a a life. I didn't take care of myself. I didn't do anything. And those were all, you know, my choices. Mm -hmm. Um, and looking back, but at the time it felt like I have to do this. I must do this, you know? And I think one of the other things I did that I really wish that I, or, you know, that I have a very different perspective on now is Mm -hmm. I really bought hard into hustle culture Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I also, you know, have done a lot of work on myself to get to a place where my own self-worth in my own head is no longer tied to my productivity and, you know, Mm -hmm. to my um, achievement, an achievement based plan, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really spent my whole life, you know, um, starting from being a kid and, um, you know, with this idea of having to achieve my way into feeling okay, you know, mm. and, and do and be and, and, and create. And, you know, and it was all, it was all driven by, you know, feeling, worrying that if you without didn't, that, what mm-hmm. would I be? And what would, what, you know, where would the worth lie then? Where would the worth lie? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm. And, you know, and, and this, and this sort of real, like, I have to take care of myself. Um, you know, no one else is going to do it for me. And you know, this whole this some really old beliefs um, that that were not, you know that 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 I that meant survival at, at one point. And so there were. I, I'm grateful for them, but they also, right. at a certain point, started to really get in the way of me thriving as right. a human being. You know, and, right? Because yeah. for a
0: while there, and it was. I, to achieve, I have to do these things. So there's not time to take care of myself, mm-hmm. which wasn't even part. That's not even part of the equation. You know, yeah. I have to achieve these things. I have to to fulfill what I've set out for myself and what I just mm-hmm. added on and what I've, you know, how much I said I would grow or whatever. And then I remember that first sabbatical you took. It mm-hmm. wasn't even that long ago. Was it four years Maybe
1: five. Um, I don't know, and I'm curious what which resi- what was your- it
0: the first trip to Bali?
1: Oh, it was. I took two weeks off for. Yeah, the, it was 2018. 2018. Yeah, was the first time I'd taken any time off in yeah. like four years, yeah. and um, I took two weeks where I didn't like look at my phone. And you, know, you were you
0: were apologizing for that. I remember a yeah. little bit, like I need or to I do felt, this.
1: Yeah, well, I had just I had just merged the company with Knock Knock, mm-hmm. you know, and so that was I felt guilty or I felt like you know, I should be, I should be present.
0: Mm -hmm. I should be,
1: you know, this is, this is a, this is a tough, you know, it was just logistically very, you know, challenging to to merge these two businesses. And so it was like, I, you know, ah, like I remember feeling, you know, a sense of, and it was like two weeks, like, give me a break. You know, I look back now and I'm like, what was I doing?
0: But especially when you're, when you're merging with another business, you're, you want to make sure you're doing all you can, Mm -hmm. you're fitting in, you're giving them what you feel they expect. Right. And, And how fantastic that you gave that to yourself because it started, Mm -hmm. it started a a good uptick on taking care of, you know, listening to, to what maybe your needs were in a different way.
1: Yeah. And just, I think a real reframe of what kind of life I actually want, you know, and what feels, and what feels important um, and what feels sustainable for me in a long-term way mm-hmm. and, and doing, and doing the merger yeah. with knock, knock was a huge part of that. Right. Um, right. You know, I had gotten to a place where something had to shift, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, it was just unsustainable for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and knock, knock who's our, are now our sister brand,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: was established and founded in 2002. So they'd been around almost 10 years longer than me. Mm-hmm. And were about at the time they were five times our size in revenue, something like that, four four to five, and really did a did a, um, had a different business model in that they didn't they were their their revenue was almost entirely from wholesale and Amazon. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting all of their stuff into their own website, which they have their own site and we do you know some business there, but really they kind of doubled down on the Amazon strategy back in 2013-14. Mm. Early. Um, early. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they, but, but really a much, much, much bigger wholesale presence. And I really wanted somebody who could help me manage the wholesale and help mm-hmm. me manage, you know, how to, just how to get, how to handle all that and how to just how you know, just, just wrangling that end yeah. of it. And from an operations perspective um, just even all the manufacturing and, you know, all of the, all of the, um, you know, we were really getting in We, I was just really in over my head with, um, with sales projections and with, you know, when you're in it, you know, I had a, I had a warehouse with $3 million yeah. worth of inventory in it, you yeah. know, and, and, and a big staff, a big staff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I taught myself how to do all this, you know, or, yeah. or, you know, dependent on the kindness of strangers for, you know, advice and friends and, you know, just kind of tr- all trial and error. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, the opportunity, having the opportunity to, to merge with Knock Knock mm-hmm. and gain business partners who had so much more expertise than I did yeah. in, in these different areas um, was really appealing to me. Yeah. And what a, and you earned that. I mean, you built a
0: business that was very, it was aligned with them and what they were looking for. And, and I just, it must've been you know and and nothing was is without its challenges especially you know when you it's a, a business partnership and a merger is a relationship and and we all learn but i'm it's just been great to see you be able to breathe into yourself you know and and say like what do i want this to look like and how and having those them partner with you mm-hmm. and and grow and you not having to worry about every single you know crossed T and dotted I, a lot of them still certainly, but you know, there's other people to, to balance that with you.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's been just, you know, that's been everything. I don't know. I don't know that I would still be doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, had I, to be totally honest, had I not, had I Mm -hmm. not done that or I would have really drastically changed the model. I would have maybe, I would have maybe shut down wholesale Mm -hmm. um, just because it was such a different business and it was so, it was just so challenging logistically yeah. and the amount of money and time and staff and resources that it took to manage that. Um, and the turnarounds and the, like, just kind of everything was, was, was challenging. And it also, you know, it's, it's interesting is it's, yeah, it the, the the wholesale audience wants different kinds of products that are not always my favorite kinds of things to make. Right. And it's not a judgment of good or bad. It's just, you know, I like the kind of weirder stuff that, you know, or maybe the stuff that isn't, there's less of it out there because, you know, because well it doesn't sell as well necessarily, <laughs> but you know, it's... and maybe it's filling a niche that, that a smaller number of people really want, but because mm-hmm. a huge number of people don't want it, you know, the, the retailers aren't as interested in it. And so it doesn't mm-hmm. get made. And I think now, you know, looking at the way that, that brands are starting up now and looking at, all, looking at the difference. There's a massive difference between now and 2012 mm-hmm. um, in terms of the direct to consumer space and being so viable in a way that um, it wasn't as viable back then. Um, and they're reachable. They're reachable, and of course, you know, paid social ads and all of that. It's it's there, and you can
0: find them and they can find you. It's just different. I mean, I, (laughs) I had a retail store, then I had a wholesale, then I had wholesale and I never really hit direct to consumer in this time of social media in that way. And just watching, you know, and talking to people in our peer group and, and watching you kind of do that in a different way. Plus you offer a product that is it can be completely relevant because it's words. It's not like I'm drawing a snowman because it's that we need snowmen this time of year and that's a pretty card and it's fine. No, it's completely situationally globally relevant or, or, or um, personally relevant stuff too. So that wholesale versus the direct to consumer makes my head spin for you. You know,
1: just Mm -hmm. what that needs to look like. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think if I hadn't done the merger,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I would have, most likely,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, closed down the wholesale side and just focused on the direct to consumer side, and um, which would have just really, you know, which and I don't know what that, I, you know, I can't, I can't say like what the result would have been, but right. I can say that it would have been really great for for me and I think for the business mm-hmm. to be able to focus on one customer, mm-hmm. um, on one, you know, on on one set of marketing materials, on one yeah. set of Manufacturing things on one, you know, and you know, direct to consumer, of course, is much easier to make domestically. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, you know, and that's always such a challenge when you're trying to make a wholesale margin is to make right. is to make products domestically because a lot of those factories don't exist here anymore. Right.
0: And you had all yeah. sorts
1: of products there for a while. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Know, and that's another thing. I have this business. I have this these, you know, intellectual properties that I want to put on things. I want to make. X, Y, and Z product, and then mm. I have
1: to store it, and I have to, right? I you don't want to, it to
0: break on I have the way, to quality and control it, and I have
1: to deal with it. And oh my god, your minimum is four thousand pieces per style. Okay, yeah. And oh my god, that many tote bags takes up a tractor trailer. Uh oh, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and wait, all the tote bags showed up from India with the handles falling off, and we have to have each one individually restown at a factory mm. in Los Angeles. Where's our margin? Yep. Yeah. And we have angry retailers calling every day saying, where's my tote bag that I ordered? And this is not an
0: anomaly. No. This is part of doing business.
1: Part of doing business. And I think, you know, I was very, and it's, you know, I, I was definitely very starry eyed in the beginning and I'm, I know, and I'm hopefully not just sounding like the most jaded person ever because that's not how I want to
0: come it's, off. But business is very rewarding. It's just good to know what you're getting into. Yeah,
1: it's good to know what you're getting into. And if I had been more informed and had a more informed perspective, I think I would have – maybe I still would have done some dumb stuff, like don't get me wrong, but I think I would have made some different decisions um, yeah. if I had been – If I had just had a better understanding of like what I was getting into, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really had this desire to make all this stuff like I really wanted to, you know, and just as a creative person with ideas, it was like, oh, cool, I want to see I want to see I want to come up with ideas for tote bags. And I want to come up with ideas for dish towels that are about, you know, truths about the kitchen and funny things, you know, and all that. And the thing is, like. Paper is easy to make.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's and, you know, on the spectrum of things to manufacture, it's it's fairly cheap. And it's easy to store and it doesn't take up room. and doesn't break. It doesn't break. And there aren't a lot of opportunities for it to get screwed up. Not heavy. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, And the more, I mean, the amount of ways that a dish towel can get messed up in production is like staggering. (laughs) And you wouldn't think so. Like it's a square, you know? Right. It's a square.
0: But. But, but, It's a fabric square. Yeah. A paper
1: square. And you have to hem it. And it has to be, it can't be a trapezoid. Right, you know, right, and, and it might be when it's on, yes, yeah, and it can't have holes in it, and the and the <laughs> printing has to be centered, on and register, the, you know, and the colors have to be right, and the uh, you know, and it has to be packaged correctly, and yes. you know, packaging for wholesale is a whole other thing, uh, mm-hmm. and how's the retailer? And how's you know, how's you know, that how, customer
0: going to? Are they going to see it? Or are they going to unfold mm-hmm. it? What's it?
1: Yes, and how will it's and how will it sell online? And how well will it? How well will it telegraph in a photo? And you know, mm-hmm. there's just there's all these <laughs> you know all of these factors that go into it, and so. You know, I think one of the things that I've really learned is that there is a sweet spot for business or product based business where you've got you've 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 seen some success, you're profitable because your overhead is still pretty low. You're not huge. Mm-hmm. you know for us for us, the sweet spot revenue wise was like. Two million dollars a year, mm-hmm. maybe less than that, one point mm-hmm. five, mm-hmm. and it would have been even better if it was focused on either wholesale or direct to customer. Mm-hmm. You know, That's one a or big the, one, one or the other, right? But, um, but, but also just thinking from a revenue perspective, and 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 there isn't this. The revenue number would be different for every business. This is just what what ours was, but where you where the formula is basically like you have fairly low overhead and a small staff, and you're making an amount and type of product that feels sustainable, your margin is good. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, it's not terribly difficult to do. You're kind of, you're humming along. And if you're me, right, and also, you know, capitalism and all those nice patriarchy and yep, all, all that, that <laughs> you immediately go, well, how can I grow this? right absolutely you do because your whole all of your programming for your whole yes. life is bigger better faster more yep so and if you're like me and you didn't go to business school you don't understand like diminishing returns mm. which is basically mm-hmm. that you know after a certain amount on the bell curve mm-hmm. you can keep putting money into the business so your overhead grows mm-hmm. and your revenue grows right but your profits decline because as your revenue grows your overhead grows in a commensurate way right so right. you are doing you know twice as much work for ultimately maybe 10% as much pro- 10% more profit right and if you're shaking your heads it really works that way it really works that way mm-hmm. and you know we have as a as a company as a joint company um, over the last couple of years with Knock Knock and Em and Friends really refined our product strategy mm-hmm. to look at that for ourselves. Yeah. You know, we had gotten ourselves in a place in, where our op- our operating expenses were really, really, really high. Right. And there's two ways to, to make more money when you have a company. You can grow revenue or you can cut operating expenses. Yep. And, you know, the industry has gone through a lot of changes. It's in a very strange place, you know, not even, let alone COVID, you know, and what happened this year. Right, right. But we, you know, our sales, we took a huge hit on our wholesale this year uh, because of COVID because all, you know, retailers are closed sure. and they, they've struggled so much. And we were able to stay in business essentially because we the year before had made these massive cuts to our opEx and figured out like how do we streamline this to make mm-hmm. this as to make this you know really as feel sustainable and 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 keep more of the you know because we and, and keep keep the money that we're making because we weren't we were losing money right and uh, you did it because you had to look at your business to figure out how to keep it going yeah. And in like a you positive way, twelve million dollars in revenue doesn't mean anything if right. you spend if twelve spending- million dollars exactly. to make that money. You know, <laughs> right?
0: And and those are the things that you really don't know until you're in it, mm-hmm. unless if you if you're. I mean, I think I I've certainly started businesses and had great ideas and and thoughts about it, but you don't know these things until unless you've gone to business school and unless you're doing it, and that and you. And I love what you said in the beginning of our conversation, where if you could do it again, it's like, take stock of what it is that you want your life to look like, that you want to feel like when you wake up, when you work, like to be able to go to work and say, I am loving today is a whole different thing than, Oh my God, I have to figure out what card to put next because all these people are counting on me and I've built this thing. I don't know how to feed.
1: I'm just glad that or where's the container yeah. on, you know, somewhere between mm-hmm. Hong Kong and Portland? You that's know, it's supposed or to be that's here. That's supposed that to the, be here. Wait, or, these orders are late now. And, you know, or how do I do, you yeah. know, like there's so many, there's so, there's so many things just, or just the, whatever fire, what, what seven fires need to get put yeah. out. Today. Not to
0: mention, if you have employees, everybody, all those people have
1: personalities
0: and need caring and feeding. And as do your every customer and as does, does everything else and and again I we're we're not sitting here trying to say don't start a business and don't have a great idea because that's the that's the most rewarding thing but I think I think the real message is there's a lot to it there's a lot to think about and I I just forever commend you for being willing to to do that you know you you get in there and you've you you're a solution
1: based thinker, <laughs> you know? Well, thank you. I think, you know, for me, the biggest, the biggest takeaway or the thing that I would, that I, you know, if I'm, if I'm advising somebody or coaching yeah. somebody is, you know, yes, a hundred percent start a business, a hundred percent do it, but bigger is not always better. Yeah. You know, small can be infinitely more rewarding and and also lucrative you right. know small doesn't mean starving artist small might just might mean manageable. having a life manageable mm-hmm. and doing it and and being smart about it um and you know would you trade would you trade you know the entire rest of your life for 20% more money or something you know like because there really is that that scale of kind of diminishing where where you get to a certain point and yes you can start pushing revenue higher but mm-hmm. your your expenses and your um your infrastructure and what you have to manage in order to push that revenue higher and the is the cost also on yourself, for yourself and if you're an artist you know if you're a if you're a business person like right. first and foremost there you know go. if you're then great then you know lucky then you. lucky you go <laughs> sell it to Uber or something yeah. you know but if you're an artist and you got into this because you have something to say, visually or verbally or both mm-hmm. or whatever, and you love making art, whatever that looks like, you know that's that's a that's a a piece of you that yeah. that you need to be careful to to honor because um, no one else will do that for you. Absolutely, that's the that's the biggest part right
0: there. Take that to heart. You know, a creative spirit running a creative business needs to find a way to keep doing that. And it's one of the first things that can go away. So I, I love talking through this. I love knowing more about what, what it really has looked like along the way for you. And I love how you encourage and what's it, what, what you, what you know to be important. And thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This is, this is a good one. Miss Emily McD. I, I adore you. And thanks for chatting with me.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to know you.
0: That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app, and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to, and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.